Yes, happy Friday, everyone. I know everyone is down in the dumps thinking that all is lost, but all is not lost. And that's why National Preview Online exists, to remind you constantly that all is not lost, that America is still the greatest country in the world, and there's no other country better. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury, and welcome to another issue of National Preview Online. If you have not already done so, please subscribe to the show. And you can do so in one of three easy ways. You can either go to the iTunes App Store, the Google Play Store, and search the NPO podcast and click subscribe. Or you can search the Podbean app, our hosting app, at either of those two app stores. Simply download it. It's free. And search the NPO podcast there and then subscribe. Either of those three ways, you'll be able to interact with the show. You'll be able to leave comments, leave reviews. And if you need to email us or email me to ask a question or ask us to cover a particular topic or make a comment on a past broadcast, please do so at nationalpreviewonline at gmail.com. All right, a few things I want to cover today to leave you with a little bit of an upbeat as you go into the weekend. First of all, we all know that there is a disinformation campaign out there uh, on the part of the left. Uh, and the government is now complicit in this. Um, Jen Psaki, the uh, White House press secretary for the befuddled, benighted Joe Biden, said that they are now flagging Facebook posts and recommending to fl- Facebook what posts they should take down, uh, which in their opinion is spreading misinformation. For misinformation, read anything that the administration disagrees with. Even if it's truthful, they don't want you to know about it, so they're trying to flag it so that you don't hear it. That's about as close, not close, it is uh, censorship on the part of the government. Now, one would think that as left-wing as Facebook is, they wouldn't need any help from the government, but it's very disheartening to hear that the government uh, is engaging in that. The good part about that is it shows you that we were right all along, that there's nothing here that you couldn't expect. But there's some other things that don't square up. The left also wants you to believe, as misinformation, that people don't believe that Donald Trump won, that they really believe he lost, that they really believe the election was fair, and that Donald Trump is an unpopular character, and that that's why he lost. This, despite the fact that he increased his vote total over his 2016 vote total by 18 million, I'm sorry, 12 million votes, 18% increase. People with that kind of increase in terms of incumbents never lose. And I've already explained to you where these votes came from, from Biden. We have new evidence that shows thousands of mail-in ballots that somehow got managed to be stuffed into an envelope without a single crease in them. How do you fold a ballot into three to fit in an envelope uh, and then unfold it and it has no creases because they never were mailed? They're fraudulent. But recently here in my hometown of New York City, there was a subway series. That's what we refer to whenever the Mets come to Yankee Stadium to play the Yankees or vice versa when the Yanks go to the stadium out in Queens to play City Field, to play um, the Mets. So this particular game was in Yankee Stadium and there was a MAGA supporter in the crowd wearing a MAGA hat. Someone tried to steal it. A a couple stole it. They were ultimately apprehended and ejected from the stadium. The police got the hat back. But the man who wore the hat was a little bit reluctant to put it back on. He was grateful to get it back, and he didn't want it to be stolen again. 
But wait till you hear the crowd. And you can find this video on YouTube. But wait till you hear the crowd. And mind you, the people making these cheers who are doing a selfie video are black and Hispanic young men. The people that the left would have you believe hate Donald Trump. Listen to the crowd as they implore the man to put his hat back on, how they yell out Trump 2024, and how they go into cheers when he finally does it. Just listen to this crowd reaction. Does that sound to you? Does that sound to you like Trump is unpopular? And this is in the Bronx. This is in the South Bronx. If Trump's got that kind of support and popularity in the South Bronx, what do you think he has in the rest of New York City, especially in the conservative areas like Staten Island or better yet, in the rest of the country? I'm beginning to believe, as I've always have, I should say I'm beginning to believe it, I've always believed it, but now I'm beginning to believe it even more, that Trump won all 50 states. With the, well, maybe he didn't win California. But I usually, I, I know that people that win New York have to win New York City by 400,000 votes to wipe out the conservative advantage in upstate New York. And I know that Biden only won New York by 250,000 votes. That's pretty, pretty telling. So I believe this was a landslide and it was stolen right out from under our eyes. Uh, but this is not been lost on people. There are certain things that are happening, and the left doesn't want you to find out the truth. In Pennsylvania, where there was a lot of fugazi things going on, listen to this story featured in the Epic Times. At least one of three counties targeted for a forensic investigation of Pennsylvania's 2020 presidential election has said it will not allow access to its voting machines. That's true. Pennsylvania Senator Doug Mastriano, who has been at the forefront of this, uh, he's on the Intergovernmental Operations Committee. He sent letters to election officials in three particular counties, Philadelphia County, York County, and Tioga County, requesting access to voting machines and information to be used as evidence in a forensic analysis of the 2020 election. The Tioga County commissioners decided not to provide access after receiving a directive from the Pennsylvania Department of State. You remember the Pennsylvania Department of State. All these Department of States of these various states that had this hanky-panky going on were the ones that um, illegally, unconstitutionally, changed the election laws and rules in their states when it was supposed to be something reserved to the legislature according to the Constitution in order to facilitate this sort of chicanery. Well, the Pennsylvania State Department issued a directive ordering county boards of elections not to provide any access to third parties seeking to examine the systems or system components. It further warned that if the counties do not do allow access, rather, the voting equipment will be considered no longer secure 
or reliable to use in future elections. The Department of State would then decertify these expensive election machines, and counties would have to buy new voting machines on their own. Quote, we've been given the directive that we cannot give access or they will decertify our machines, says Tioga County Solicitor Christopher Gabriel. The state did two audits after the election. Nothing of significance was found. Well, of course, well, the state was complicit in this fraud. Why would they find anything? But really, if nothing is to be found, why does the State Department have to issue this order? And why do they have to back it up with a monetary threat by telling the counties they're going to decertify their machines? It was okay. They were plenty secure when they used all this software from these companies that were out of control, companies that were based out of this country, where votes were read out of this country. That didn't make the machines insecure because it was something that they wanted. But now they're threatening to decertify the machines and hold a financial hammer to the heads of these counties. There must be something awfully significant in those machines that they don't want you to know about. The legislature is at battle with the Department of State, and I don't think this battle is over yet. But not just Pennsylvania has things going on. Michigan was another state where things were out of control, where many strange things were done, not only in the election, but during covid Uh, Governor not-too-bright Gretchen Whitmer uh, was one of the governors uh, who sent people to their deaths by sending them in nursing homes. In fact, at one point, fully 40% of all COVID deaths could be accounted for as having taken place in nursing homes in five states, California, New York, Michigan, uh, Pennsylvania, where Tom Wolf was governor, and uh, Wisconsin. But now we see that the Michigan State Senate is trying to pin Governor Whitmer's ears back and roll back her emergency powers. The Senate of the state of Michigan on Thursday approved a petition that repeals Governor Whitmer's emergency powers with another approval expected by the state's lower chamber. Whitmer, a Democrat, cannot veto the petition. The Michigan Senate voted 20 to 15. This vote came two days after the Board of State Canvassers certified the petition, which was started by a group called Unlock Michigan that gathered over 340,000 signatures. The board previously had dealt with this issue back in April April and deadlocked two to two, but I guess with all the information that's coming to light in the intervening months, they now voted three to nothing this time, so they weren't deadlocked. The petition takes aim at the 1945 Emergency Powers Act, that enabled Whitmer to impose harsh restrictions on state residents during the COVID-19 pandemic. These, are the, were, these actions uh, by the Senate were praised on the Michigan Senate floor by Republicans who said it was a time to curb Whitmer's powers. We saw things like this in New York where they wanted to curb some of the powers of Il Duce, Andrew Cuomo, because people realized that they went too far, but they were content because it was all designed to undermine the election and undermine Donald Trump. But now that they've seemingly uh, achieved that objective, uh, they want things to go back to the way they were. Michigan State Senate Majority Leader Mike Shirky, uh, Republican, said the petition doesn't take power away, but reassesses where the power belongs. Democrats offer a different explanation for their no votes. Uh, 
they also have here remarks that um, Tom Barrett, Republican state senator, said this initiative represents a people's veto of the governor and the unlimited power that she's tried to claim during this pandemic. And she has done it. Um, the Democrats, of course, trying to defend this, saying, well, when an emergency faces our state, we don't have the luxury of time. Basically, they're trying to equate governors as like um, presidents in wartime, where they need, uh, they get permission to go to war by the Congress, but then they manage the war because they're the commander-in-chief. Well, it goes to show you why certain people shouldn't be put in charge, because the commanders-in-chief in the state of California, the state of Pennsylvania, the state of Michigan, the state of Wisconsin, the state of New York, demonstrated themselves to be woefully inept at doing anything regarding command and control. They've been responsible for more deaths than anyone cares to name. But there is still more. Just to let you know that the left doesn't give up easily on foolish things. And I did say this was going to be an encouraging broadcast. It is to the extent that we have people now marshalling forces. More and more evidence is emerging of what was done to us. More and more people are being armored against it. More and more they're rising up against it. But you have to remember that even in the face of this, the Democrats remain unrepentant, completely unfazed, uh, and perfectly committed to their ultimate leftist agenda. Nowhere is this on greater display in the benighted state of California. In California, Governor Newsom and the legislatures are at work again. California lawmakers yesterday approved the nation's first state-funded guaranteed income plan. Now, this is a very, very nice, friendly euphemism for indefinite welfare. Guaranteed, regardless of need or anything else based. Under this plan, they're going to distribute $35 million in monthly cash payments to eligible, ready for this, eligible pregnant people and young adults who recently left foster care. Even the language of this is insane. Have you ever met a pregnant person, a pregnant people, or have you only met pregnant women, pregnant girls, pregnant females? I never met any pregnant men, any pregnant boys, or any pregnant teenage uh, boys. So why do we have to use this eligible pregnant people. Why isn't it eligible pregnant mothers, eligible pregnant women? Why do we have to have this people? This is trying to eliminate gender, trying to eliminate everything. Now, this taxpayer-funded plan was approved unanimously in both chambers, 36 to nothing in the Senate and 64 to nothing in the Assembly. That should give you a moment of pause to show you just how out of control and out of touch with reality the state legislature is in California. Not one opposition vote to this insanity? Now, this thing is heading to Newsom's desk to be signed into law, but I assume that I'm not intimately familiar with the administrative workings of the state of California, but in federal law, if a bill hits the president's desk, he has 10 days in which to either sign it or veto it. Um, if he doesn't do it, it automatically becomes law. I assume a similar thing happens in California, but knowing Newsom the way we know him, it's a foregone conclusion that he will sign it. There will be no restrictions on how the people eligible for these funds will have to spend the money. 
The plan aims to help recipients transition to life on their own. Well, I can tell you when I worked in New York City, despite the lie that they tell you that there aren't generations of families on welfare, that's absolutely true. There are generations of families on welfare. They never get off. They never transition. They live off the dole, and it's just not fair. It's not fair that you don't get to work because simply because you don't want to work. People who can't find work, people who are legitimately looking for work, are going through a hard time, need transitions, I think that's fine. But I'll never forget, we'll, we'll help you. That's what societies do, civilized societies. But when I see videos like I saw several years ago of a young girl, very pretty, uh, saying how when, what she gets in food stamps, what she gets in rent, what she gets for this, and they asked her, why don't you work? You know what her answer was? It wasn't that she couldn't find work. It wasn't that she had things to do that prevented her from working. It's that, and this was it, I don't feel I have to. I get enough for the state now. Well, God damn it, why should you get to sit on your butt because you don't feel like working while the state holds a gun to my head in the way of income tax and tells me I have to pay for you to sit on that butt? You talk about fairness? That's not fair. And it's not unfair to the welfare recipient in the way it is, but it's even more unfair to us who have to pay for this. No restrictions on how the eligible individuals are going to spend this money. Quote, if you look at the stats for our foster youth, they are devastating, said Senate Republican leader Scott Wilk. We should be doing all we can to lift these young people up. Yes, you should. Yes, you should, Senator Wilk. And one of the ways you can do it is to stop trying to screw with the minimum wage. Jobs that could be had by youth who are living at home and don't need to have a living wage because that minimum wage was never intended to be a minimum wage. It was just intended to be a representation of the minimal amount of money anyone should be paid for any kind of work, not to be a living wage. Instead of these young people getting into trouble because there's nothing for them to do, these young people living at home would have a little pocket money. They could work. They could learn what it's like to work for a living and earn money, have respect for money, have a respect for work help out their families a little bit, and have a little money to spend. That was the American way. There was nothing wrong with it. You're destroying this and creating a dependent class who are now going to be indentured servants and going to vote Democrat for the rest of their lives. Local governments and organizations will apply for the money and run their programs. The State Department of Social Services will decide who gets funding. California lawmakers left it up to local officials to determine the size of the monthly payments. You ready for this? Which will generally range from $500 to $1,000 in existing programs around the country. Guaranteed income programs date back to the 18th century. The U.S. government even experimented with them in the 60s and 1970s during the Nixon administration before they fell out of favor. People experiment with a lot of things. People experiment with drugs. People experiment with... Um, weapons. They experiment with bioterror. doesn't mean it's a good thing. It's because we experiment with it doesn't mean that we should continue to do it. In fact, we were experimenting with gain-of-function research in this country, which is exactly what the Chinese communists used to create the COVID virus. The Obama administration of all administrations, believe it or not, signed regulations against gain-of-function research being conducted in the continental United States because they thought it was just simply too dangerous and they didn't want anything escaping from a lab. Fauci and company gave a grant 
to the Wuhan lab of virology and allowed the research to go on in China. And now it came back to bite us in the ass. So don't tell me we've experimented with it. There's a reason why we experimented and it fell out of favor. It's no good. But recently, guaranteed income programs have been making a comeback. They've been announced in New Orleans. Well, that shouldn't surprise anyone. Most corrupt state in the country. Oakland, California. Tacoma, Washington. Liberal state. Gainesville, Florida. Now, that's surprising. And Los Angeles, the nation's second largest city, which has a plan to give 1000 a month to 2000 to needy families. Now, Republican Assemblyman Vince Fong of Bakersfeld was critical and argued that they could undermine incentives to work and increase dependence on government. We should be pushing policies that encourage the value of work, said Assemblyman Fong, who abstained from Thursday's vote. Guaranteed income doesn't provide the job training and skills needed for upward mobility. That's true. Approval of the plan comes just days after the Democratic governor signed a $100 billion comeback plan budget package that includes tax relief and stimulus checks to help state residents recover from the pandemic lockdowns. Now, we're going to be keeping our eye on California because Newsom, thank God, is facing a recall election on September 14th called SB 139, the largest, um, I'm sorry, the recall plan is called that. The, uh, the recovery plan is called that. He's, but he's facing a recall election on September 14th. We're going to be looking at that. But my question here, though, my, my takeaway from this, I mean, I know it's insanity, but what we just heard from Vincent Fong, the Republican assemblyman who spoke out against this guaranteed income plan, is indicative of exactly what is wrong with the Republican Party. Why did you abstain from the vote, Assemblyman Fong? Why didn't you just vote against it? No balls, no courage. Millions were mailed into the Republican National Committee who solicited this money in the fall on the premise they were going to use it to try and aid Donald Trump in his fight to prove that the election was stolen. They did nothing of the sort. I've received many solicitations in the mail since then. And I've sent them all back with very, very strongly worded letters. I didn't just tear them up. Explain to them that they're frauds, that they're unwilling, that that they're unwitting dupes, in many cases maybe not knowing dupes for the Democrat Party. They have betrayed the people. They have betrayed the party. They have betrayed the 45th president of the United States. And I will give no money to any Republican who was anti-Trump. I will give no money to any Republican National Committee because they've proven themselves to be unworthy. The only Republican candidates are going to get money from me is either Donald Trump or people explicitly endorsed by Donald Trump and only at Donald Trump's personal behest. I will not give money to anyone after that, because voting for these people, you might as well just vote for a Democrat and save your money. I won't give them anything. And Vincent Fong sums it all up nicely. Abstaining from a vote while speaking out against the legislation that was voted for, but lacking the intestinal fortitude to actually cast a vote against it himself. For National Preview Online, I'm Jamie Dury.